and just like that, they buy it. They eat it up. You pander to them, you thank them. I mean, really. People, I thought you were a little bit smarter than that. I mean, it's just so easy wow. to say the name of the city. You cheer. Hey, oh, Stephanie, thank you. Stephanie, you just cheer. I just, mean, just come on. Welcome to the A Show. Welcome, everybody. This is episode 104 of The A Show. And you may be wondering, why the hell, Mills, are you doing the intro to this episode? What happened to Justin? Um, if, you're, if you're wondering that, yes, you're correct. Justin will not be on this episode. He's been called off for some international duties. He'll, he's better explaining it than I can um, for work. But if you, you know, I, I'm not going to say you're going to go this entire podcast without hearing from, from him because... At some point in this podcast, we have a, along with the major guest that we have here, we have another major guest, and his name is Roman Reigns. Um, you have an exclusive, an exclusive tidbit, a little bit of an interview with Roman Reigns um, from Justin Davis, who was at the WWE 2K um, launch or roster reveal or whatever the hell they sent him out to Las Vegas and paid for his dinner and food for. Um, but in the interim, I have not only one guest. But I have two guests. The first one you're familiar with if you listen to the show, and you're familiar with, you know, if you're if you're following any one of us or associated with any one of us, you got to be familiar with him. We have um, the man who handles wrestling for Barber Barber's Chair, yeah. Barber's Barber's Chair. I got to remember Barber's Chair. dot net. Um, Chris Novak, what's good, bro? I'm pretty good. Um, not so pleased right now with the Yankees and how they're doing, but. Maybe possible that they come back against Garrett Cole and the Astros. So we'll see what happens with the rest of Game 3. But otherwise, I'm doing pretty well. Well, listen, I'm not really a baseball fan, but I would love if the Yankees could win because as a Knicks fan, I have no idea how winning feels anymore. <laughs> it's so numb. I'm so numb to it. Um, but our second guest, our second guest, someone on the line you may know, um, he is making his podcast debut. He is someone who I appreciate a lot because – he is one of the I feel like he's one of the only people who I don't know if I can say has no filter. It's not no filter as a bad thing, but I think you say things that people would be more so afraid to say uh, for lack of for, I guess, I guess, judgment by the <laughs> their peers. But nonetheless, we have making his podcast debut first time on any podcast. You have Quan. Quan, welcome to the billion, man. Guys, awesome to be here. This is all cool. I don't think my filters. I don't say nothing wild, man. I don't say nothing wild. Don't no, you don't say nothing that. wild. It's just like you. You say things like that people would not. I, I feel like people wouldn't say or like. I appreciate the things that you say because you, the things that you say are real. Like I feel like that's at least how and I interpret your tweets and things like that. You can follow Quan at is it Quanzilla on Twitter? Where is it? It's Quan from CT. Quan from CT. I'm rebranding. You know, you know how it goes. Listen, we've all been in a. No, actually, we have not been in a place where we've lost our Twitter account. But <laughs> um, fortunately enough, I mean, well, I'm thankful that you guys are here. 
I'm thankful that you guys want to do this show with me because we have quite a big show today. Um, got some major news that dropped probably like four hours ago, three hours ago, four hours ago. And that is major news. Bruce Pritchard assumes role as SmackDown executive director. Eric Bischoff is now stepped down. He is no longer with WWE. It is officially the Bruce Pritchard show on Friday nights. What do you guys think? What I mean, what what went through your mind? What was the first thing that went through your mind when you saw that press release that says Bruce Pritchard assumes the role as SmackDown executive director? I was pretty surprised just because I didn't expect the switch to happen so quickly. I thought that um, that Bischoff was going to be around for a little while, but I guess it wasn't for long for him for whatever reason. Um, it seems like every indication was that this was a, a WWE move, not necessarily a Bischoff move, and that you know Fightful Selected said a said something to the effect of one wrestler said that they saw it coming because um, Bischoff didn't seem comfortable. Uh, also, you know there was things someone had said that you know. Pritchard was already overseeing and encompassing tasks and whatnot and had resumed his role as Vince's right-hand man, quoting directly from uh, the Fightful Select Report, by the way, there. Uh, shout out to them for always doing great work in, in the wrestling journalism business. But yeah, um, I'm just very, I'm, I was very surprised. Quan, what was your first thoughts? Eric Bischoff, no longer with WWE, now Bruce Pritchard in charge of SmackDown. I was shocked at first. I'm, I'm gonna keep it like I was shocked. I was like, "Where'd this come from?" I'm like the show just started. What, what two <laughs> weeks, almost three weeks? I mean, because you know there was the rumors going around. Like, oh, we had this really started up yet. It won't start up till after you know the draft happened, after the Fox deal happened. I kept hearing, "Oh, he'll start doing this." Like you know, you can see what's going on with Raw with Paul Heyman, what he's doing. You can you can see the little sprinkling of his influence on the show. But SmackDown just felt like SmackDown. So I'm like, "Is he even want it?" So. When I thought about it, it was more like, oh, okay, maybe something didn't work out. You know what I mean? So yeah, the more I, I thought about it, the more it made sense to me. I like what you said because for the longest time, and I don't know if many people agree, I mean, you can see immediately. I think we saw the first week when we saw Paul Heyman's influence on the show. And I think we all remember that um, it ended up, I think it was that Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman open <laughs> where it was just like violence for violence. And it was just like insane. Like, damn, these guys, how are they going to make it to that last man standing match? This was kind of an overkill, but it was like violence, was like Corey Graves says like, holy shit. And like all types of extra thing. You can tell when it's Paul. I mean, even now we got the Lana and Bobby Lashley program and it's just like, <laughs> It's got the fingerprints of Paul Heyman all over it. But when you look at SmackDown, we're like, yo, when, uh, I, I don't see people showing up in limousines at 9.58 p.m. Or, like, uh, or, you know, luchadors taking over SmackDown or anything. Like, in terms of the, the Eric Bischoff imprint, I felt like we didn't see it, even though I guess it was reported that he started his role probably like really like two months ago. Um, it was after the initial report. He had to move up to Connecticut and everything. But like, it's crazy because we didn't really see the fingerprints. And I think one of the most, you know, I think one of the most notable things that we heard about during his entire, I guess, his three month run uh, at, at the top was how that Roman Reigns, Eric Rowan, Daniel Bryan, whatever that handled to do you feel like that was an indicator that something wasn't necessarily going right maybe that was it i mean we don't know it's one of those situations where, of course eric bischoff executive producer paul Heyman, executive producer but in the end 
you know, it goes up, it's all up to Vince in the end, you know what I'm saying? So, like, maybe there was a misunderstanding. I mean, honestly, you know how Eric Bischoff, well, we don't personally know them, but you know how Eric Bischoff is. You know how Vince is. It could have been a clash. Maybe they figured, you know what, this ain't working out between the both of us. I know they said he got fired or whatever, but it could have been a mutual agreement. Like, you know what, let's just end it here before it goes any further into it. Yeah, I could, I can definitely see that too, because you know, it's it's like you had mentioned, you know, SmackDown didn't really feel any different. It felt like it was still just the same show. So, was it, you know, what was Bischoff's influence not as as heavy as predicted? Was it that you know some ideas were clashing and not you know aligning with certain things because you couldn't really see his imprint on anything except for really that you know that Brian Reigns Rowan angle where you know they had the Who Done It stuff and then they had the one you know, reveal of the lookalike of Rowan and whatnot. So, I, I mean, you know, it, it, that could have been, I, I don't know if necessarily the, the phrase, the nail in the coffin would uh, would work here, but that could have been what, you know, started the downslide. Like, you know, oh, if that didn't work out, you know, everything else, you know, had just like a trickle-down effect there. And I think the magnifying glass is so heavy because this is Fox. This is on, you know, mm-hmm. network television. Um this is the brand new A show. I mean, you talk about the A show. I mean, we even treat it as the A show. We're going from Fridays to Mondays now in terms of what the hell we do on this show. Um, but it's really treated as the A show. And I don't think they can have any chance of slip ups. Like they don't want the rating to continue to slip. They don't want, they want that television that gets people engaged. They want that. Fo- I mean, I don't know how many, I don't know what else is on Fox to be quite honest with you, except mm-hmm. the Simpsons and family guy. But I'm assuming they want that, like that type of show that like grabs people and engages them. And I don't know if we saw that from SmackDown the last couple months. I mean, the Roman Reigns thing was definitely interesting, but at some point it went sideways when they did do the dual, you know, Eric Rowan thing. And while I thought it was hilarious, I mean, I still think it was hilarious to this day. Um, it didn't really hit. It it it, it reached the point of this is actually as opposed to it being like a threatening thing. And then it kind of got really like, you can make fun of this entire angle and you kind of, you know, jump back and reminded yourself like, Oh damn, I am watching professional wrestling. Um, <laughs> but this entire thing, man, like t- for Eric Bischoff um, to be gone so soon, I, I we can only speculate in terms of what happened. I mean, Eric Bischoff dropped a statement a little bit earlier today and he was like, listen, this entire thing, they're in great hands with Bruce Pritchard and everything like that. He's going to do a great job. And it's like, well, yeah, duh. Like, he's going to do a great job. But, like, what act- I'm still wondering, like, what actually happened? Because for this to go so south pretty soon, um, to me, it's kind of like an indicator of that, like, because I don't think Eric Bischoff at this point in his life, now having to move to Connecticut, he's probably like 60 something years old. Um, wants to really waste his time with something that he doesn't really have full range out of. Do you feel like, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out like, does it. It's a question like, yo, I mean, we hear reports here and there about like, yo, what's really going on backstage over there? Like, is it this chaotic? Or is it like, is it that much differences between, you know, the people up top, what's going on with Fox, what's Fox influence and all this. There's like so many variables that we don't know. We may never know. It'd be just like how I mean the man moved where's he from? Wyoming? Yeah. He went from Wyoming all the way he picked up moved his whole family to Wyoming to Connecticut. That's a that's not a short flight. You know what I mean? That's a big move. Did you get fired what three four months in? 
So, I mean, it makes you question some stuff like what's really going on back backstage over there. Quan, do you think the problem was as a Connecticut resident yourself? <laughs> is it amazing living in? Do you think it could have been homesickness or like whatever? Like, it's Connecticut. Is the air really different over there? He's on the he's, so I'm, I'm assuming he'd be on the west coast part of uh, well, not west coast, but west side of Connecticut. Here. Oh, I didn't know it was the west more, side of Connecticut. Well, Holy shit! Well, you know, what I mean, you know, the, the, the more <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for, more affluent side over there. They got a little more money over on that side. So I don't know. He might be breathing in that New York air more closer to that. I don't know where he moved to, but it ain't it ain't the Connecticut I'm from. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Oh my God! But yeah, I mean, this is this is possibly the biggest news. I really, honestly, don't know how much of an effect this will have on SmackDown. Um, considering, to me, when you look at a Paul Heyman Monday Night Raw, you can definitely tell that it's a Paul Heyman Monday Night Raw. I think with um, I think with SmackDown, I mean, there's certain indicators. I think with Bruce Prichard, he get a lot of good, you know, pre tapes. Um, a lot of different various, you know, characters that end up on the show. I'd see, um, I think one indicator now that we can look back in hindsight is Bray Wyatt being drafted over to SmackDown. Yep. Um, because that seems to have just been a Bruce Pritchard project for the longest time and him bringing him over to SmackDown. We've heard so many times, you know, in reports that like, okay, Paul Heyman wants this guy on Raw. He, you know, he loves Buddy Murphy. He is like, he could think, you know, in Cedric Alexander and all these people that he wants Alistair and all this other things. And it's like, all right, well, what is, does Eric Bischoff know no one on SmackDown? Is he just fine with Roman Reigns and a couple other people? Um, but now seeing that Bray Wyatt is ending up on SmackDown, you kind of get to see the writing on the wall a little bit. Like you can see that, listen, maybe they were either preparing for this. Maybe uh, Bruce Prichard was just, you know, now he was going to be more so on SmackDown than usual. And he just like, all right, this is just for better comfortability. It's interesting how we see. It's interesting if this will end up a podcast or something. I have no idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the biggest news of the week by far. Um um, we got a couple other things in No Holds Barred this week. And one of the things in No Holds Barred is, and I'm not sure how you feel about this guy. I personally don't feel either way about him. It just is what it is. Um, Mike Kanellis, formerly Mike Bennett of ROH, has asked for his release from the WWE. He has let people know that he's asked for his release. He has sent out the official iOS press statement, which is opening up your news app and typing a whole lot and then posting it on Twitter um, and or Instagram. He has sent... He has sent the official release, Mike Kanellis. What do you think of him asking for his release? Are you moved? Do you think it'll happen? I don't know. Um, I don't care at all about Mike Kanellis. Mike Bennett never did. Didn't care when he was in New Japan. Didn't care when he was in Ring of Honor. He might have been on Impact and didn't care then either. It don't matter. Nothing. I don't feel anything for Mike Kanellis. You can go. Yeah. I, I mean... This whole this whole thing's been kind of weird because he apparently had asked for his release back in January or whenever it was when uh, when Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that, and then you know he he re-signed with the company four months ago, and then he asked for his release today or yesterday because he and yeah I, re- I read the statement he had said that you know a working one day isn't going to cut it for me, which I guess implies that you know the two or five live is pretty much dead and buried. Yeah, um, but it's just like you were. If you were frustrated, why did you re up? Yeah, I mean, like you had your. You could have probably gone back to ROH. You probably could have gone back to Impact or whatever. They would have taken you if, if you felt that way. 
you know, I'm not going to have too much sympathy for you if you would resign months ago. Like, if you don't want to be in a place you don't want to work in, fine. But, like, don't re-up then. And it's not like they're going to re- – I don't think they're going to release them anyway, which, you know, you can say what you will of that policy and whatnot. But it's just like, why, why bother re-upping? Yeah, it, to me, it sounds very weird. Not that it sounds weird. I can get like, okay, I I want to leave. And they're like putting you over barrels. Like, hey, we'll give you more money. We'll give you more things. And I think there was a time on 205 Live and on Raw, he was getting a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say unfortunately, but with Maria, especially being one half of the act and quite honestly, probably the more dynamic of the duo. Um getting pregnant and then having to be off television for quite some time. This is kind of like the sec. I mean, Maria gave birth a couple of years ago and she had her, you know, she had her child and he was off TV for a significant amount of time that at that point, we also know that he was trying to conquer his demons. He was doing his best to get in shape. He was doing a whole bunch of other things. So I do think that there is actual effort put in from him um, to be where he's at. So he can, you know, give his all to the company that he wants to be in. But I also think like, yeah, I'm, I'm agreeing with Chris. It's like, yo, then why did you why did you re-up? I mean, yeah, it looks kind of, you know, it looks incredibly stupid in hindsight. But it's like if you felt this way before, I would say, honestly, go with your gut and kind of follow with it. Because the career of Mike Kanellis in the WWE, I think, was just ruptured from the beginning. Yeah. And the first time we saw him to like generally crickets from that gimmick to the first time on SmackDown, he debuted to the subsequent, like kind of just like him not even appearing, like maybe even the second or third week after that. It's like his entire thing, like has he even had, like, I don't even know how many matches he's actually had this year. I mean, I know Chris, you got the stats and things like that, but it's like, is he even in like, he's not even in your like top 25 or anything (laughs) for. Yeah. He's had, I I think, not counting the uh, not counting the Saudi show, I have him right now at. Let me see here because I just looked it up yesterday. He is at twenty one televised matches. So that's again not including anything on main event, not including anything on the first Saudi show. So right. he's he's a part of you know. There's a decent amount of people who are at twenty plus matches. So he's he's up there. He's he's worked a decent amount on two or five live and then a couple. Raw matches and whatnot, but right. yeah, he's not like you know in the upper percentiles or anything like that. So, but it's it's, it's just kind of crazy. I think because to me, this is kind of like a situation where I think what would have worked best for him. And granted, I don't know how many people would have wanted him in NXT, but there's only a certain people who I feel like can bypass NXT and go to the main roster and have an immediate effect. And the only person who's kind of really done it thus far is AJ Styles. Um, everyone from Finn Balor to Shinsuke Nakamura, even Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, all of them who've had quite honestly way more lucrative independent careers than Mike Bennett um, have gone to NXT and, you know, made sure to kind of hone and understand their character and what kind of works, what kind of doesn't work. But him kind of, to me, jumpstarting and debuting on the main roster without any of the, you know, appeal or anything um, kind of set him back like a lot because he's never really like moved any particular needle or anything like that. And, you know, for him to ask for his release, I, I'd say, honestly, I wouldn't if I were WWE, I probably would have given it to him. <laughs> but I don't know. 
I don't know if, what the contract situation is like. If it's like, oh, if you, you know, if you request your, if we grant your release within the first year of your contract, you get this much like money back or whatever, et cetera. I don't know the entire, you know, situation of his ideals, but I really don't feel like you're losing anything, especially if you're like in fear that he may jump to AEW. I'm like, quite honestly, there's plenty of, you know, muscular, you know, muscular white guys over in AEW that probably he's just like, he probably fit right in the mold of what all they actually going over there. Like, it's not really, I don't see him much of a really moving the needle anywhere he goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, just, I would let him go. Like it's not going to, it's not going to make any company really any, you know, serious money or anything like that. At least that's what I think. But. Like, nope, nobody's checking for Mike Bennett. Keep this back. You know, nobody's checking for Mike Bennett. No. What'd you go if you go to Ring of Honor, you gonna go to Ring of Honor in front of two hundred people, whatever they sell nowadays, man. <laughs> and like no no one's going to see I ain't never in my life heard somebody say, Yo, you see that uh, Mike Bennett match on two oh five? Not once. <laughs> no one ever tweeted me that. No one asked me that. But, man, like let's keep it a stack, man. If, if they want if he wants to go, if I'm WWE, just let him go, man. He ain't gonna not like he's gonna take away viewers. Like no one's upset that Mike Bennett's leaving. I'm never watching Raw again because I can't see Mike Bennett get cucked. On Raw every week, like no one cares. Like it's fine, let him go. I mean, it's quite interesting. Maria is like, I did not ask for my release. I don't know what this guy is talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm good with that. I mean, quite honestly, you got the better part of the two if you keep Maria and you yeah. pair her up with anybody at this point. I think Maria, as much as on you know, I think she's. I don't want to say toned down on Twitter because I don't think she said anything too extreme. I think she just voiced her opinions very vociferously and really just someone who is not afraid to say, especially considering like she's been in the business like almost 15, 15 years now. Like it's actually yeah. crazy. Um, she's not someone who's really shies down from voicing their opinion and things like that. I think that's why she wasn't uh, initially when they were doing like that, di- that divas pickup, I say divas cause that's how old it was. Um, that divas pickup at the beginning of the decade, they didn't really grab her um, because of, you know, how vocal she was about how she was released and the people involved in it, et cetera, like that. But quite honestly, like in terms of just a mouthpiece and someone who, has managed to evolve as a character and evolve and actually, you know, garner some heat and garner the, you know, reaction from people. I honestly think she's probably the better one. Um, Keep Maria. Dump Mike. That's what I'm saying. All right. So we got some New Japan news. This is weird for me because Justin is not here. So I have to say all this stuff and do all these things and et cetera, et cetera. Um, wait, Quan, you're a fan of New Japan. Yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a very casual fan. I haven't watched New Japan since the G1 final. I've been you know keeping track. I like I see the highlights and stuff, but I haven't really watched anything since the since G1. Well, I mean, it, it, honestly, nothing has really changed. <laughs> the main event, <laughs> the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 14. I mean, there's a, a big, I guess, a big thing that kind of changed. But the main event of Wrestle Kingdom 14, Kazuchika Okada, who defended against Sonata King of Pro Wrestling will be going up against. And this means that it's confirmed. All title defenses are in the bag. All, you know, other type of matches. Kota Ibushi, who retained his title match against Evil um, over the last weekend. Um, this is confirmed. It is now official. It is official what we're going to see on January 4th. It is Okada versus Kota Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. I can't believe I said it all so smoothly myself. 
I want to give myself a pat on the back for that. Um, it took me only 104 episodes. Um, are you guys anticipating this match at all? Yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be an incredible match. Um, you know, Okada, you can't go wrong with Okada. He's going to give you minimum four-star, 30-minute classic. You know, Kota Ibushi is an absolute psychopath and going to drop himself on his neck 30 times in the match. So, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't wait. I, I might stay up for it. I mean, you know, was it 4 a.m. in the morning, wherever, East Coast, but I might stay up for that one. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a less than casual New Japan pro wrestling fan, but I obviously know of Kota Ibushi um, from his work in the Cruiserweight Classic, and also just by being a less than casual fan, I, his, his name obviously carries a lot of weight. Same thing with Okada's the some marquee match, probably yeah. pretty probably be pretty great. I know they're doing two nights of Wrestle Kingdom, so I oh really? I didn't know that. But, oh. Yeah, they, they are apparently doing two nights. Uh, a bigger scoop than me, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would, I guess, would be interested in seeing, you know, are they get, is either going to pull pull double duty? Because I know there's also rumor that um, Tanahashi is facing Jericho, and then also that you know Jushin Thunder Liger's last match is going to take place there. So they're definitely they're definitely stacking the deck, it seems. So it'll it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I would say Okada versus Ibushi has my attention. Do you think that the show will garner the same attention as the previous Wrestle Kingdoms? Because I think, um, I mean, I think just in general, New Japan, it's 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 status in the wrestling world, and I don't think that it's necessarily like they have bad wrestling or anything like that. But it's status in terms of the the trajectory over the last number of years. Everything from I think Wrestle Kingdom maybe was it nine or eleven. Everything from that AJ Styles to Shinsuke Nakamura match. Um, that's been building over the last couple of years, and we've seen the prominence of New Japan, you know, in the United States over the le- over the you know, over the last um, five years or so. Do you feel like this is kind of will will continue that sort of rise? I feel like they've each year they've gone. I mean, the Jericho thing did major numbers for them, and it ended up being one of the most lucrative Wrestle Kingdoms of all time. Um, do you feel like we're here, especially now that they're you know the the Bucks are gone? Um, Kenny Omega's gone. Um, a lot of people, you know, now, I mean, I think they'll still have John Moxley. So that's at least, I mean, I hope so. I don't know. Um, I don't know after, you know, what we got over the last couple <laughs> weeks, but they'll still have that. Do you feel like the notoriety of, of this, you know, New Japan, it will continue to sort of rise with all these different things? I'm not fully sure it will. You know, I think, I think the loss of all the elite guys kind of hurt a little bit of the interest um, on the we- on the western part of the earth. Um, I mean, you can look at the, some of the crowds they had, you know, when they came to America recently over the summer or the past few months. They, were, I mean, they were fine crowds, but, you know, you would anticipate this a year ago. You would have thought those crowds would have been sellouts. But, I mean, I don't think it's dropped too much. But I do think the loss of the elite will hurt. But, I mean, I don't know how popular it is in Japan itself. You know what I mean? So, that's I'm, I'm imagining that's where all their money's coming from. So I'm sure they're more concerned about what's going on in the homeland than America. America's a little side project. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I agree there. I also, it it definitely does feel like because um, I know a couple like two years ago, almost two years ago now, the the end of Wrestle Kingdom 12 when they didn't put the title on Naito, 
and they kept it on Okada. That's definitely it's definitely interesting to wing after that a little bit because you know that also wound up coinciding with you know the Bucks and Omega eventually departing um, the following year. But yeah, and it, it, I am intrigued to see you know how how much interest bubbles up from this because you know like I said. This, even for someone like me who doesn't watch that often, you know, I will, I would definitely be interested in this match because they're two big names, probably two of the biggest names that they have right now in that promotion. So, yeah, um, I, I will, like, like Quan had said, you know, I'm, they're probably significantly more interested in seeing how things go with the homeland. But yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy just considering the fact that I think they were. Before AEW came around, I think they were generally like, okay, maybe we can actually kind of pierce the U.S. market. And I don't know if they were going to, like, make a major dent because WWE is WWE through and through. Like, WWE is the major monopoly. It is a conglomerate. It is, by all means, everything that kind of America stands for with professional wrestling. But I think they were genuinely like, okay, we can make a dent. We can, you know, the subscriptions worldwide is going to raise all these other things like that. But now that you've got, like, for instance, I mean, I'm pretty sure they'll just have to end up doing an agreement with either Impact or ROH. But they can't really do it with AEW, um, AEW contracted stars and, you know, who... Also, I think it would be a good deal if they did, just because AEW, you're getting some people who are, you know, on television, who got some eyes on them that can bring eyes to New Japan. But the fact that they can't work in the United States, I don't think they'll ever really be able to sort of pierce that United States market. And it's kind of sad, but, you know, at the same time, I'm sure they're like, all right, we're just going to stick with what we got. Like, it's it's Japan all the way through, like, you know, hip, hip, hooray. but yeah, man. I mean, speaking of New Japan, we got some major news over last weekend that John Moxley, former New Japan United States champion, without a single title defense, has now been stripped of said belt because he was unable to make it to the King of Pro Wrestling event. As you know, there has been, I think it was, I believe it was a typhoon. Um, yeah. You know, that affected the entire event and certain people making the event and because John Moxley could not make the event and because I guess they're supposed to defend at least once every six months, which, you know, is very lenient to be honest with you, but the way they handle business, I understand. Um, they had to strip him of the United States championship and those, the mattress changed to the, to the less intriguing juice Robinson versus Lance Archer. And I mean, I don't really think it takes a genius to say that Juice Robinson lost, but <laughs> like, um, it, this is interesting. Do you feel like I don't know? Do you feel like has been has has there been something like plaguing John Moxley's like New Japan run? Do you feel like it's meant to be in the stars or meant to be in the cards or anything like that? That too. Um. When you first, when you started the G1, you know, you could see it in him. He felt really energized. You felt a, a, a little uh, pep to him, to his step. You could tell he really wanted to be there. He, he had he had something to prove after he left WWE, you know, to really make a name for himself as John. Like, we know him Dean Ambrose. Like, it took me forever to stop calling him Dean. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not calling that because I have a name on a paper and I'm just reading off of it. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would call him Dean. You know, I just recently started calling him John because I've been, you know, watching AEW. But, but I'm like, you know, yeah, it just kind of seems like a string of bad luck for the guy, man. He got the MRSA infection, which, you know, that's life-threatening. 
and that just really kind of derailed everything. It seems like yeah. he had bad, bad luck with the, the U.S. belt. He never defended it in WWE. He like didn't get to defend it in New Japan. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on, man? That's it's funny as shit. About, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, it is. It, it's sad, but it's also just sort of interesting. I think he really wanted that sort of New Japan, and by all means, he'll probably still compete. I mean, this doesn't stop him from competing in New Japan. We'll likely see him at Wrestle Kingdom, to be honest with you. But um, it's just crazy because I know how much he's actually wanted this because I feel like for the bulk of his career, um, especially in WWE, he's felt like he's lost credibility with the fans. And he's felt like he's lost credibility on the promo side and in the ring side, you know, everything. He's as hardcore as possible. We joke about the John Moxley rules on AEW because every time he comes out, it's just like either steel chairs or whatever the hell it is or anything like that. Um, but I feel like he's always had a point to prove. And New Japan is like, okay, they hit snug, they snug here, they hit stiff here. Like, if you can make it there, you you cemented your pro wrestling career as a pro wrestler in Japan. Um, but it just hasn't really been working out, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, the New Japan United States, he's no longer the champion. I'm sure he'll get a rematch somewhere down the line. But, yeah, it, it, it sucks for the John Mox, man. Uh, have you guys, I mean, I know we normally talk about this on the War Report, which you can tune into every Friday on, you know, the A-Show RNC Network. But how have you guys been digging the AEW Wednesday shows? Have you guys been, has it been interesting? I'll start with you, Chris. How have you been digging it thus far? I haven't watched episode two yet, and I probably won't end up getting around to it. Um, yeah, same. You know, the, the first, the first show was it was it was fine for you know a, a debut show. I mean, I think it, the presentation of it was nice. Obviously, they have smooth camera angles; their stage is cool. I think they could do better in the pyro department, but whatever. Um, but I think it's it, it's 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 interesting for me just because I'm generally not really interested in like ninety percent of their main event scenes, so. I have to really rely on their tag teams and their women's stuff, but their women's stuff has been lacking because they've only had one women's match per show so far. And the, the tag team stuff is kicking up. I haven't gotten a chance to watch uh, Private Party versus the Bucks, which apparently got really rave reviews from pretty much everyone. Yeah, I really like that match. That's the only match I really saw. Yeah, so, I mean, for, for me, going forward, it's just going to be like, okay, can you can you get me interested in your main event stuff? Because that's just the, the big hang-up for me because – I just Jericho doesn't do it for me right now. I I don't care about Jack Swagger or Jake Lee or whatever. What you're not an inner circle, Mark? <laughs> As of right now, I'm not. I can't say that I am. Oh my god! Um, I mean, Ortiz and Santana are cool as uh, you know the, the artist formerly known as LAX, which goes in again to the, the tag team stuff. But you know, just and Omega's whatever on me, and you know, I'm, I'm not really interested. Too interested in Cody. All credit to him, though, for, you know, marketing himself well. Um, Paige, not really. Pac, I mean, I've already seen probably the best that I could see of Pac. So, but yeah, I mean, the, the show, the, the first show was pretty good for just from a, you know, oh, wow, this this looks really cool, you know, standpoint. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see what the, the Philly show looks like on Wednesday night, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Quan, what do you think? What do you think of uh, AEW this far? Dynamite. Has it been really dynamite? Has it been? <laughs> it's been fine. I, it's, I'm not like this is the most like quintessential greatest wrestling show of all time. That I'm starting to see online a little bit, but you know, for the fan base they're trying to target towards, I think they're doing a great job. It's everything 
you know, the the we want the attitude era kind of crowd really, really. I think they'll really enjoy it. You know, the, the WWE hate watchers. This is definitely their their speed. <laughs> um, I I agree with Chris. I'm not the biggest fan of the um the main the, the top top of the card guys. Uh, you know, the elite guys. I think a lot. Of, I feel like they lost their stuff a little bit. Um, I have no interest in Chris Jericho at all. However, I do agree the tag team division. I think they have a great promising tag team division. I think their mid card is really strong too. I do like Darby Allen. I don't like that uh whatever that coffin drop thing. I think that's a very silly wrestling move, but I do like Darby Allen a lot. Um, I love Luchasaurus. I think he's he gonna be gonna get over real fast. I don't know what they're doing with Orton Cassidy, but he's super over. I you know I think the mid card is very promising. If they build that mid card right and really get them you know mix it up with the uh, with the vets, which I feel like they're doing. By putting, you know, putting Sammy Guevara with uh, Chris Jericho or putting Hangman with uh, with uh, Dustin, things like that. I think the mid-card, they build the future right. They can, you know, they can really make a difference. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I know Justin hates when we talk about AEW in any sort of positive light. On here. <laughs> so, you know, just for that, we'll end that now. We'll end all that AEW talk now because we do. I know this is what you guys have been waiting for. You've been waiting for the big dog. We have our official, exclusive AEW A-show exclusive interview with Roman Reigns. I'm going to throw it over to Justin right now. Stay tuned. This is the A-show. All right, everybody. It's Justin back on the A-show. I'm here with cover star Roman Reigns. What's going on, Roman? Good. Doing good, man. Thank you. This is actually a weird, like, day for me because a couple of months ago I got a dog and I named him Roman after you. Well, thank you. Yeah. What kind of dog? It's a French bulldog. He's really small. Okay. He's not like... He's not like the big dog, but he's like a dog. That, that spot's taken, so he had to be the little dog. Uh, so, I mean, how does it feel to kind of, like, be on the cover of 2K for the first time and be sharing it with somebody like Becky Lynch? It feels great. I mean, obviously, if you're on the cover, it means you did something right. Um, so for me, to be able to have another really good year, especially after, you know, having to take my leave and, and kind of get my health back in, in order, um, to be able to come back to be a part of 2K um, along with, with, with Becky, yeah. the man, you know what I mean? Um, it, I think her year speaks for itself. Absolutely. She's the main event of WrestleMania. I've been there. I know yeah. the, you know, I know, you know, the magnitude of that, the responsibility of it. She stepped up, and just to be able to share this, um, it just feels like a really, you know, just a, a cool and a very special moment to be able to share with arguably our best performers. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, I, I feel at home. Yeah, and I mean, more than that, like you, you mentioned that you were away for a while and you came back, and now actually in the game, you're, you're teaming out with a uh, cancer advocacy group to kind of promote the game as well. How did that come about? Yeah, um, we partnered up with LLS, uh, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Um, it, it just made sense, you know. They they've done so much, so much hard work, and they've raised, I, I believe, over 1.3 billion dollars for research and, and financial support for families and stuff. So um, they they've really, for years now, gone above and beyond and helped so many people, supported so many people. Um, you know, people like me, just like me. Um, so one of the things that we just wanted to be able to partner up and help them with is just 
getting them to where people see them more. You know what I mean? To where LLS is on your mind and you like, oh, I saw that. And so to be able to help, you know, team up with WWE, that's something that we do every single week. We are a promotional machine. So to be able to team up with them and just, you know, bring a bunch of positivity, uh, you know, towards their campaign and get as many eyes and awareness on it, um, I'm just really proud to be a part of it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's super dope. And I think the one thing that was really uh, eye-opening about your diagnosis is that in WWE, like, as fans, we've never seen it up close and personal like that before. How, how, how did it feel for you to be able to kind of open our eyes to something like that? Um, it was scary. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was extremely scary. Um, but that, uh, you know, once I started going and once the crowd just heard me out and then once I finished that speech and just felt the, the outpour of love on the Internet, you know, from social media... It just it felt empowering to be honest. Um, to just be able to share my story, uh, to know that people had my had my back, uh, supported me, and also took a little bit of inspiration, got some hope off of me. Um, it just it really made me feel so much more comfortable in my skin. And I just can't thank the world and my supporters and you know people that just lifted me up, prayed for me, sent me positive vibes. I can't thank them enough. Uh, the draft is tonight. And according to the rules, you're draft eligible. You've been on both shows at this point. Is there any preference that you want to, any show you want to be on, any any performance that you want to face on either show right now? No, I mean, eventually I'm going to want one of these titles. You know what I mean? Eventually we're going to need a title. It's been a minute. It's been a minute. I I had any jewelry around my waist in a while, on my shoulder for a minute. Um, But no, I mean, you know, I I had a great run with Raw for years. Um, I've been on SmackDown here for about... Six months? Yeah, for about six months. um, Had the whole wild card rule for a little bit. Wild card reigns up in here. R.I.P. wild card rule. They make rules for me. Um... But, yeah, I mean, to be honest, just to have the opportunity to be in the ring, you know what I mean, to be healthy. After this year, put me anywhere, you know what I mean? Just let me be on the team. Let me continue to do my thing. Um, Eventually, I'd like to work my way back into a title scenario. But until that time, I just want to go out there and have my best performances. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Can I get one? Wow. What an interview. I don't know what to say about that, except that. (laughs) No, I mean, it was a fantastic. If you love, I mean, I think. Justin asked the asked the great questions. He asked the questions about uh what what we can see from the draft, which we're going to talk about pretty soon. We talk about if he, you know, apparently he didn't prefer any show, which is great because he's ending back on the same show. And I think this should be a great segue into draft talk on this episode because this week between SmackDown and Raw was the you know the 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 big draft that's been heralded the one that we've been excited about for weeks for shaking up the roster that already six months into whatever shakeup they they did seemed already pretty dry um and then the wild card only further saturated that but we've got the draft let's uh, let's talk about the most controversial part of the draft thus far and i'm gonna ask Quan about it first let's talk about the first controversial part of the draft how do you feel in terms of the presentation of this um do you feel like they were trying to go for this sort of real sports thing they're trying to go for just to be sort of i know like an authentic kind of take what did you think about the presentation of the draft so ideally the concept i did like the concept of them doing usa versus Fox. that was a good idea adds a little bit more realism you know obviously in real life the execs would have it a say and hey we want so and so on our show mm-hmm. so i did like that um 
I appreciated them even having, you know, outside celebrities from respective brand, respective uh, networks putting their two cents in. I think the USA side is a little bit better than the Fox side. A lot of those NFL guys, uh, they didn't know what they're talking about. They, a pile driver, man. <laughs> a pile driver on the field. Bugging. <laughs> hey, Bradshaw's bugging. But, um, yeah, I mean, I didn't hate the presentation. I did see some, you know, some comments online. They, I know some people would rather have seen, you know, instead of those kind of canned office war room little videos, prefer, you know, wrestler reactions. And I, I do agree with the wrestler. I wish that we, we would have seen, you know, some kind of wrestler reaction, even like even if it was online or anything. Like we barely even got any of those. Yeah. I mean, Chris, what do you think about this sort of presentation? It's been the most critiqued part about this entire ordeal is that it, it while it was presented in a certain way, uh, the way the entire thing shook down, it just didn't really. Yeah, it's it. I I do agree. You know, I I, I see what they were looking for. I thought that the war room stuff was campy, which was what it was supposed to be. But I, if, if you're gonna if you're gonna be campy, why not go all in? Like you you could have had. I, I saw I saw no reason not to you know involve the wrestlers. I don't know why they because I, I know that they dropped some like segments or interviews or whatever on you know, their YouTube channel and on Twitter and whatnot after the show, why didn't you just have those during the show? Yeah. Like, for instance, for instance, one one thing that you could have done since they made it a point to pick them separately, you had a you had Alexa and Nikki be picked separately. Why didn't why didn't you, you know, harp on that since you know Nikki eventually got picked anyway later to to remain on Raw. You could have at least drawn that out with like a segment or two of them, you know, being confused and then, you know, sad and then Nikki would have gotten picked and she could have, right. you know, frenetic and happy again, and done something with that. Cause that's maybe, a, maybe Alexa Bliss is just like, that's fine. I yeah. never really needed you or anything like that. You know, she yeah. plays into a heel character a little bit, and then when Nikki Cross has come back, I was like, oh, you know, she switches up, kind of yeah. proves that she's, you know, the fake B that she is. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I, I like I said, I, I think that they honestly, they could have, they could have done more. I, I wouldn't say that they did a bad job because I think they did a decent job or whatever, but. They definitely, there was definitely some stuff left on the tape. Yeah, I'm not. To be honest with you, I think the entire, you know, once you began to see, began to see what the actual draft actually was, and you're going through the picks and stuff like that, I felt more so like this draft was so patronizing <laughs> because it's legitimately they're saying anybody can go to any brand at any time. But now you're just picking the champions that go back to the respective brands. So you kind of like lose, like, first of all, like, I don't know, like four to six draft picks where you're just like, oh, who's going to go to which brand? And it's like, oh, the Raw Tech Team champions are going to the Raw brand. Yeah, Yay. like, you could have just let, you let the champions out, like, and not made them eligible to be picked. Like, they could have just been locked in. You would have, you know, maybe drawn out a little bit of suspense and whatnot, because I get what they were doing with, you know, Having Becky be the first overall pick to cement her as you know, you know the, the top star in the entire company. But yeah. same time, it's like, well, there's no drama and intrigue for where the Raw Women's Champion is going to go because you're not going to have her wear a red belt on SmackDown. So it's like, oh, okay. It's it's so weird to me, and it was so like I felt, and it's not that I hated it, but it's just that I was not interested at all once i saw how it was shaking down i was not interested at all because relatively i mean if you really want to be real everyone kind of shows up on their on their respective brand again anyway as aside from a few people i mean we've got we've we've got uh brock lesnar on smackdown which is something new mm-hmm. um 
but you got Seth Rollins back on Raw. You have the New Day back on SmackDown. You have Becky Lynch on Raw, where she's been pretty much all the entire time. Daniel Bryan on SmackDown, like Bailey on SmackDown. All these different people who didn't really change shows. Be so as opposed to the and then just the fact that they didn't change shows and there was no interaction with the superstars themselves yeah. or there was no sort of two rivaling parties outside of these like exec these boardrooms of just these random people throwing their hands up and high-fiving um yeah don't they, go they, ahead they just kind of they kind of just went really bare minimum with it i mean to, to be entirely fair i don't think i and i guess i'll, I'll speak for myself here i wasn't looking for like massive shakeups. I was just looking for, you know, a sense of just order and structure. So I didn't necessarily mind that there weren't too many moving parts or whatever. But at the same time, you know, if you're going to do the draft, at least try to involve the, you know, the wrestlers and the segments and whatnot. Not just not just have these, you know, cutaways to the war rooms either celebrating or being mad or what, or what happened. Do you feel like that first draft, remember that 2002 draft is still the best draft? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Like by far, just from the actual parties that were involved. I mean, you got a big personality like Vince McMahon. You got a big personality like Ric Flair. They're both vying because they both have these massive egos trying to pick, so they can have respectively the better show. And yeah. quite honestly, like that, I felt like that was sort of if we're doing, if we're going all the way into sports entertainment, lean into the entertainment. I mean, don't get me wrong, they wanted that authentic sports value. They're on Fox. They're on, you know, all these type of things, Fox Sports, all these other things. They want to make sure that there's an authentic. They don't want to seem hokey um, in general as they're doing this. And I understand this. But at the same time, you miss so many elements that made the show actually watchable. Because by the third hour, I was just like, you know what? I don't really even care who goes on what show now. And now they have this free agents thing. And to be quite honest with you, if I'm a superstar, I'm like, please don't pick me. Because... <laughs> I want to choose which show I go on. I don't really want to be picked for any particular show. I want to be the one to sort of, and, and and I think they could have played it up more with, you know, especially if they had like two polarizing characters. Um, they didn't have that this time. They didn't want to do, I guess, Heyman and Bischoff. It would have been muddying the waters a little bit too much, but they could have had, I think, a representative from both sides yep. um, to sort of build that entire thing. And then you have like, okay, maybe, you know, someone goes up to Randy Orton backstage and is like, listen, you know, do all those, you know, what was it, the tampering or whatever the fact. I don't know. It's professional wrestling. You really want to, at, at, at this point, make the satire of sports. <laughs> like, <laughs> make sure, make it look as silly as it actually is when it comes to the actual real drafts and things like that. Like, it, it, to me, it was what it was. Um, anybody on a particular show that you were excited to see either move to a show or remain on their show um let me start with you kwan you know what you know what was more interesting to me during this whole draft going off of that was um not so much who went where but when they got picked I, some of them mm. some people caught me caught me off guard i was like oh really for example i thought humberto carrillo i think he went third round and i was like really this guy got signed a year ago and he's already on Raw third round, so and, you know, or Drew in the first round, fourth pick. I'm like this dude. So, so I'm more interested in see if there was the order of the picks meant something, or was it just random, or do they have big plans for these guys? It's like, is it finally time for the Drew push? He's no longer a lackey. He's gonna be his own thing, or you know. So 
something like that. Probably not. I don't know. Um, <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm just saying, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know. All these. What about you, Chris? Is there anybody that sort of uh, popped off, popped off the page in terms of where they're picking, where they're going? Honestly, there's there's two there's two things there's two uh, there's two people. Well, one group and one person that I'm interested in seeing project go forward. Street profits on Raw, especially considering how things went for them on Monday, they seem to be in line for big things. And I'm interested in seeing how Drew Gulak does on SmackDown. He wasn't mm. picked. He was, you know, the, the additional was an additional pick after the show or whatever. Um, but you know, he's he's going to SmackDown. There's a decent amount of you know people that he can work with there. He obviously has a very big personality. Could be in line for something, you know, maybe in the mid card, out of the mid card one day. Obviously, he's a great wrestler, so I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does. Yeah, I mean, I agree. A lot of people also making noise late sixth round pick on Raw, Liv Morgan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I don't know. WWE is so weird. It's like we can make enough noise for Liv Morgan, but if they don't actually put her on the actual show, then it's like, what's it really all for? Yeah. But I do think I I honestly I do think Liv Morgan. As much as like, okay, she may not have it all in the ring yet. I do think she's somewhat of a worthwhile commodity. And I'll say that her, I think beyond what we've seen from the Riot Squad that I think was kind of like reeled in a little bit was that she definitely has a personality and a kind of like um, something you gravitate towards Liv Morgan for more reasons than one, but you gravitate more towards her because you're like, oh, look at that. She has an interesting look, and I think that's something that they can sort of play off a little bit. So I'm not, you know, the Liv Morgan train, I see what it is. Um, is it not? I'm completely fine with it. Um, the Miz is back on SmackDown. I'm happy. Um, but it, but they're announcing, I mean, by the time you know you hear this, you already know the big, big news, but on the WWE show, I forgot what it's called. WWE? What's it called? Backstage. Backstage. On WWE backstage, you're announcing this big trade, this big, you know, we're shifting rosters and big trades and things like that. And it's just like, oh, just great. Um, do you feel like any side? I mean, clearly, I feel like SmackDown lacks. I think SmackDown, them having two picks as opposed to three, I get it. But they lack so much, like especially considering you take a first look at their women's division and you're just like, what is going on? <laughs> Five women, right? Yep, five women right now. <laughs> one of the, and one I of them. So we, and, yeah. and the other we, is we one of them. Assume, so yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, they're gonna have to do some big moves and have to shake some things up. We still got a plenty of free agents as well. I don't know. I think they're gonna announce some free agents on that backstage show. I'm really interested in what they plan yeah. on doing with that show. Um, you can definitely watch it after. Hopefully the Yankees beat the Astros. Um, but speaking of shows, let's go over to the actual content on the actual shows itself. We have SmackDown now on Fox and possibly the biggest, I mean, the biggest headline out of all of it. I know Chris to the, to this is, this is where you shine in this moment. Um, Bailey, as if there is any doubt in your mind of a, possible yeah, maybe she's like you know she's trying to figure it out or maybe sasha will turn on her or maybe some of this bailey's fully bad to the fucking bone <laughs> she's gone full heel turn including a new look including you know taking everything that was 
in the past before and doing away with it. Chris, what did you think of the, the I guess, the new Bailey? Pam, I don't know, whatever. I feel like she wouldn't be more tougher if her name was Pam. So, like, the, the, this whole this whole thing's been kind of wild if you consider, you know, how we got here, considering, you know, she, she came in, obviously, with a lot of hype three years ago off of her NXT run. She did win the Raw Women's title in February the next year against Charlotte in Vegas, ironically, where she won it from Charlotte this past Friday. Um, so she typically will beat Charlotte in Vegas if they're having a TV main event for a title. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she got nerfed into oblivion by a kendo stick. Yes. It was barely on any pay-per-views all of last year. I think she made maybe three, yeah, she made three main cards and they were all because she pretty much had to because she was in the Rumble, she was in the Elimination Chamber match, and then she was on the, in the Survivor Series match. And that was it. She, didn't, she wasn't anything else. And, you know, Evolution, obviously, but that was an all-women's show. So, again, she was only on the cards that she had to be. Now, this year, you know, she's on. she's been on every pay-per-view. She's a two-time SmackDown champ now. And she's now the number one, key, number one heel in a women's division. And she also chopped her hair off. I'm not sure what the, what the more surprising thing is here, but it's, it's, it's might be the hair. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be the hair. I mean, the, the, the ponytail is part of her whole look, which was also someone also pointed out that she chopped it off on Dusty Rhodes's birthday, which of course, Dusty was the one who inspired her to wear the ponytail. So that was kind of, you know, a funny little thing that someone brought up. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, when she hit Becky with the chair repeatedly a month ago, I was pretty stunned. And then when she came out and she destroyed all the tube men, I was like, wow, we are really in a new territory here. Yeah, yeah. Quan, what did you think about the heel turn that kind of rocked SmackDown, the end of it? I really did. I thought it was great. It's a great way to end the show. You know, at first, just the stud and how silent the crowd was. They didn't know what to make of it at the time. They were like, what's going on? Me included, and she just whack those daily buddies. Get those daily, get those daily buddies. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy it happened. It's definitely a new, new, uh, new arc for her career. I'm excited to see where it goes. Also, I wanted to point out, she looked great on Friday. You know, I never, I never seen anything like that. It, it did something to me. I don't know what it did, but <laughs> I felt the way. Oh God. Um, I don't know the hair thing. I'm still not completely used to, to be honest with you. And I don't know if she's used to it yet. It seems like a very like. We're chopping this off right now, but we're gonna like forego actually like I don't know getting it done. Um, but like it's like it's so. But to me, it was so. It was so I guess refreshing to actually see the moment come. Right, like yeah. if we're we're building up to this. You know, we're, we're still on the fence of it. You you go through this thing. She loses the championship. To me, it's still a, this might be in the making. Makes sense category why we even had Charlotte win the belt, but I don't know if they just wanted to improve, if they just wanted to impress Fox people on the day, <laughs> like impress the Fox audience just on the day of when it premiered on Fox. I don't know, but like having Bailey lose it to win it back two weeks later might might be in the make it make sense category. Um, but nonetheless, like Bailey reaching to this point, I mean, maybe it's maybe it took that loss for her to really take her to the next to take her over the edge. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Niels. And, you know, you would, you pointed out, you know, the, the make it make sense category here. I actually think that, you know, this does fall into that because it's like, okay, 
if you wanted to have her do this like full blown temper tantrum that she did at Hell in a Cell, which was only five days before she won it back, if you wanted to do that, why didn't you just do it going into Sunday where she could have debuted the look and then won the title, you know, or retained her title rather, or, or something, something or another? Just, I, it, it feels to me like they just they just forced the tenth reign for Charlotte, which. No offense to Charlotte, didn't seem like the live crowd at Hell in a Cell could care what care care any less about it. No, and then they just had her lose it again five days later. And I know that they're going to eventually give her, you know, an eleventh title reign or whatever. And also, oh yeah, <laughs> her, her last two title reigns have legitimately lasted five days and five minutes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they. I think legitimately they put her and they made. The last two title reigns that she had, and this is against one against one, once again, nothing against Charlotte. The last name is like, okay, we're tr- trying to put on a show and we need to impress people. Let's put the belt on Charlotte. That's generally the kind of air I feel about it because there was no reason to take it off Oscar at the beginning of the year. It's still in my opinion, and there was no reason to take it off Bailey. I think I agree with everything you said. They should, they could have, nay, they should have done this a couple of weeks ago and they would have got the sort of same reaction to yeah, be honest with you. Exactly. Um, but Bailey, I mean, we've got to see what's going to happen on Friday on SmackDown in terms of how she followed this up, but she had one of the greatest lines to end of it. It was, <laughs> Hey bitches. Screw, uh, screw all of you. I don't know if it's screw all of you or screw you all. It was it was screw all of you. <laughs> screw. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> Fireline, <Yeah>. Fireline. <laughs> I'm stealing it. Um, Raw in USA. Um, Seth Rollins, Firefly Funhouse. Is this the Quan? Is this the end of the Firefly Funhouse? Do you feel like this is the end? I feel like this is kind of like when they when you burn something down. To me, it's like symbolic of you trying to get rid of it. But do you feel like this is the end of Firefly Funhouse? And would you be angry if it was? Um, hope not. Um, I think taking that aspect away from Bray and you know the the uh, the character, the fiend, you know, is kind of the balance of the character. If you take that away from Bray, Bray, like, what does he really have? Because, like, The Fiend doesn't talk. We don't know anything. Like, we need that Firefly Funhouse to facilitate the character to, you know, to the ring. People actually care about Fiend. You know, if if he would, say, for example, if he would have showed up as The Fiend with no Firefly Funhouse previous to build it up, like, he really had cared. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the context would have been completely different. Actually, I think they probably would have booted eventually, but, um, yeah, it's a, it's to me, we've reached. I think we've gotten to a certain point where, I, honestly, from my experience going to that MSG show, um, one of the most anticipated parts of the show is the Firefly Funhouse, and it's something that's not on the, like actually in the ring. So it's kind of interesting when people go up for it because you're essentially watching a television at the live show. But it's one of the most, you know anticipated parts because people are just intrigued by just seeing it and then seeing the dichotomy and seeing the complete stark difference when the fiend actually comes out but seth rollins made a statement earlier in the night he says i'm going fiend hunting or whatever the fact and then he goes and he beats up you know calm bray wyatt um 
in the in the matches announced at Crown Jewel that we're going to have Seth Rollins defending his Universal Championship against Bray Wyatt, False Count Anywhere, Crown Jewels. Bray Wyatt's on SmackDown, <laughs> um, not on Raw, uh, unless they move him to Raw. I think we're opening up for this being a, I mean, granted, this will be in Saudi Arabia, so it will not have the vociferous booze that they have, <laughs> that they did in Hell in a Cell. But I think you're opening up to, like, the more negative reaction. But is that what they actually want? You know, it's crazy, because you know what's the wild part about the Saudi Arabia show? They don't have to do this match again. Like, there's no need to do it again. <laughs> they could have had Bray wrestle anybody. Seth already has a match that night. Like, you didn't have to do this. So I'm just like, unless something major happens, like, you know, they just say whatever to give the belt to Bray. Like, I don't see how you can how they can get out of this again. They can't do a DQ finish or, you know, not a finish again. It's going to... I just don't see where they go from this. It'll be very interesting. You know what? For the first time, I might tune into the Saudi show just to see what happens. I mean, you could just pretty much catch it online. You don't got to do that to yourself. But it's a, yeah, it it, it is. Chris, what do you what have you thought of this entire thing thus far? I mean, people are definitely saying that this may may be a write off. I mean, there he's in. I would say the was it the Wrestler Observer newsletter. He said. He's anticipating that this is a write-off. But what do you think? I don't know because, I mean, if The Fiend is staying on SmackDown and he's with Bruce, I can't imagine that, you know, they, they take that element away. I think maybe it goes away for like a couple of weeks or so, but I think it's definitely going to maintain – they're not going to rip away the one thing that's, you know, been you know connecting him with the audience, especially if, you know, he's on the show with Bruce. So I, I think, you know, this is all just part of – what they intend on doing with Seth, whatever it is. And, you know, if they're trying to turn him loose into being a bad guy, it seems kind of obvious that that might be where they're going with it, whether people are seeing that or not, then by all means. I mean, if you want to do a double turn with this, fine. The, the Fiend doesn't need to necessarily be a, be a villain. Right. So, I mean, that, that's pretty much where I where I stand with it. I think it, it may be on a quote-unquote hiatus, but I don't see going away permanently. This is such weird territory. I don't know what. So everyone was pretty much like, oh, this is a bad idea to even have this match in the first place. But now you're kind of doubling down and you currently have Bray Wyatt on SmackDown. So it really doesn't make sense of why he's still obtaining a Universal Championship match. Honestly, they probably could have done it as a non-title match and it would have still been fine. Yep. Um. But here we are. I mean, I don't. I, I really don't know what to say to this anymore. Um, on Raw, we also got another notable thing. We have new Raw Tag Team Champions. The the long arduous reign of Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode is officially over because the Viking Raiders are now Raw Tag Team Champions. Um, what are you guys' quick thoughts on this? I'm gonna give you guys a take. I think uh, war, uh, war Raiders, I mean, uh, Viking Raiders, the past two years, they're top three tag team in, in wrestling at all, in the period. Just I right now? I think the guys are incredible. Since they've signed the WWE, they haven't had a bad match yet. NXT, main roster. Even the squash matches are entertaining. I love these guys. I'm happy that they're the tag champs. Can't wait for uh, them, AOP. Hopefully they have a little feud if, if they're on Raw. Uh, I think it's the sky's limit for these guys. Yeah, I, I would agree, um, especially with what he has said. You know, Viking Raiders have been have been awesome since they got there. I mean, there, there's really 
really no denying it. I know that, you know, it's been a really, really slow burn for them since they got to Raw after the shakeup. Um, but, you know, it, it paid off. The crowd was enthused with them. Um, the crowd wanted them to win, and I'm glad that they did make the right decision in putting the putting the belts on them. So, also, did find it amusing that they give that they gave Ring of Honor a shout out. Was not expecting that at all whatsoever. Yeah, I you know the only they said it right on the show. Only yeah. only team to be ROH Tag Team Champions, IWGP Tag Team Champions, NXT Tag Team Champions, and Raw Tag Team Champions, and everyone's just like, whoa. And people are like, with their you know the knee jerk reactions, like, oh, they're gonna get in trouble for that. Like, are you serious, bro? At, at this point, how long have you been watching the show and being on the internet and not knowing that they <laughs> don't tell these things, tell these people what to say when they say it? Yeah. Um, it's ridiculous but you know what props to them i did not like them when they first came in but i'll say that this the reason why i didn't like them is because i felt like it was already a crowded scene of bearded huge guys um who slam people into one another and and things especially with the bludgeon brothers and also aop who was just at this point just two guys in suits um but they have outlasted them all and they approved them all and i look forward to the eventual Viking Raiders and AOP feud that we're going to get in pretty soon. Um, at least that's what I think is going on. Um, boom. All right. That's all we're going to talk about for the shows. I have what we have. We have the hot takes. Um, Justin isn't here. So I'm going to squeeze in a few more than we do in usual because he only likes it when we do a little bit. He's like, yo, we don't got time for it. Well, listen, we're going we're gonna to go through these. And I think one of these hot takes is really good, and I think it will make people actually think. So I'm going to save it for last. Okay. Um, but we're going to go through some hot takes. Are you guys ready? Yep. All right. It says we have one. And these are really disrespectful. Like, you guys are really <laughs> – like, you guys are really, I'm not doing all of them, but, like, you guys are really, like, getting it in. Um, this one is from Peyton's Real Man. It says, Ty left the WWE just to do the same things and be in the same position he was in WWE, just with less money and not around his wife. Smart. <laughs> My God. What do you, I mean... What what are your thoughts generally on um what's his face? Not Ty. His name is not Ty anymore. It's Spears. Yeah. Sean Spears. What are your general thoughts on Sean Spears? I'm not a fan, but he seems to be a fan of himself, and I, that's all we can ask for at this point. I'm gonna put it this way: There's a reason why he was in developmental for like ten years. <laughs> yep. That's all I'm yep. <laughs> oh that's my all I got god. For him. Yeah, I, I will echo that same thought. I mean, uh, he's, he, the take the take is correct. He, he left WWE to do the exact same thing. Only now he's managed by Tully Blanchard. That's yeah, it. yeah, very weird. I don't know. I don't know what if 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 this is a comment or not. But it certainly it is what it is. I'm sorry, you left your wife in the WWE. I think that's you know. It's crazy. You know what? Let me not talk about a man's wife. The That's I super the disrespectful. Everyone's very disrespectful. Um, <laughs> let's see this. Okay, so boom. This is 2K. Are you guys interested in 2K at all this year? At all? I'll catch it on sale. I'll catch it on sale. Oh, my yeah, I'll God. Probably, I'll probably end up getting it because my, my roommates don't want to play it and we'll 
play Royal Rumbles and other things for a couple weeks and then just get tired of it and forget that we have it. Uh, I will say this. This is a take. This is a 2K-related take. And if you were listening to this show, make sure you listen to our bonus episode, the HO 2K20 sort of recap with Justin and Mark earlier this week if you want your fix of Justin and you feel like you didn't get it this week. Um, this one comes from at Darius underscore ESQ. He was on the show, actually, some at point this year. So shout out to Darius. He says, there is no way in hell Sasha Banks' overall on 2K20 should be an 80. I can understand her being lower than Becky and Charlotte, but she put on a Becker with Ron- she put on a banger with Ronda at the Rumble, won the women's tag team titles in the chamber with Bailey, and just gave ba- Becky's reign some legitimacy with the match of the night at Hell in a Cell. All Lacey Evans has done is throw a handkerchief in people's faces and puts crowds to sleep just to be rated higher than Sasha Banks. <laughs> okay, a scorcher. A scorcher from my man Darius. Um, are you involved? Do you care particularly about overalls on, on on games like these? Are you, or is there any overall that you like? Hmm, that's weird. I mean, at this point, Brock Lesnar has been an overall ninety something for like his entire career. Like, <laughs> I feel you know what for two K. I don't think ratings really matter that much on two K. It's not like it's Madden. You know, I mean, where you know a lot of a lot of times the CPU is involved with what you know the character's doing um yeah i mean sasha's 80 she was gone for like half the year maybe that went to effect i don't even know the ramifications of like what constitutes ratings for what honestly but um speaking of side note speaking of lacey evans can we please talk about her getting just walloped last Ooh. night on raw so that was <laughs> boy let me tell you listen <laughs> listen listen i don't know what what was going on with with Kyrie saying that day, but she was giving it to Lacey Ooh. Evans. Oh my goodness! Yeah, shout, she, shout out to Lacey for selling that too, man. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know if that was a sell. sell. I don't know if that was a sell. <laughs> but man, like she really like walloped her with that one fist, and then that double stomped. I felt like she just completely erased whatever eyelashes that were on her face. <laughs> And I think there was a DDT too at some point that was just like notable as well. But my God, poor Lacey Evans took an ass whooping. Um, thankfully, she won't have to face uh, Kyrie Sane anymore because she is now on Friday nights. Um, with that said, yeah, I mean, just one real quick. I would probably care more about ratings in these games if the AI was anything you know good, but it never is, so it really doesn't even matter. This is true. This is true. Um, so, boom, we have this one from a, a, a constant submitter of hot takes, and I appreciate all his hot takes. We have this one from Wrath Trollins. It says, not a hot take, but to see Seth on a different brand from Dolph, Baron, Brock, Braun, and Bray fills me with the utmost joy. He's on a different brand, but I'm not sure if there's new dance partners to be honest with him for, for Seth Rollins. This is true. But him being on a different... I mean, we don't have to see Seth versus Braun anymore. We definitely don't have to see Seth Seth versus Dolph anymore. Nope. And I really don't want to see Seth versus Baron anymore. Um, Nor to Brock. I mean, the Brock thing is just a shaky thing every time. So it's kind of... Listen, he's away from all the big Bs at this point on the show. Like, uh, you know, I'm interested in terms of where we go post this... um, this 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 fiend thing and who lines up to be the new challenger for Seth Rollins. 
Agree. Yeah. It's a, at this point, we need a switch. We need a change. We need something. Um, the I people mean, aren't feeling it. Looking like Drew. The people are the people, the people aren't feeling Rollins as much as they used to, and it's getting to him. He's someone who's very he gets agitated very, I wouldn't say easily, but you can tell from various points where the people where the crowd did not approve of things he did. He doesn't know how to necessarily deal with that. Um, he was really legitimately on sensitive a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he's legit. He's legitimately on Twitter today defending the result from two weeks ago. I'm like, bro, it's been two weeks. Like, like relax. Um, boom, boom, boom. Let's see. Um, this one comes from at underscore Kenick K E N E C. It says the fight for the first picks were irrelevant because Raw being three hours versus SmackDown two hours meant Raw always had three picks per round. So the Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns fight and the Becky and Charlotte fight did not make any sense, but I think WWE just thinks that we're zombies. We know it's kayfabe, but at least make an effort sometimes. Um, the fight for the first pick. I mean, it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. To me, that didn't, I mean, I, it, there's so many things of it that didn't matter to me, but the fight for the first pick and we're actually like the only thing that mattered to me was that they were really good matches, both of them. Yeah. Um, so that was something you could at least take away from it. But other than that, like, yeah, I mean, every round three picks to two, it didn't even matter to be honest with you. Um, let's see. I'm going to go to um. I'm going to go to oh, I'm going to do this at APD Rich 9. He says Seth Fiend has been a great slow burn for Seth's eventual heel turn and two and people are too busy complaining about WWE to notice what's going on. Um heel turn, what do we think? You know what? He might he might need to. I, I the way he get I I'm hearing the booze. They they get louder and louder it seems like every week. So I wouldn't be mad at it. Um I've, I, friends of mine have said they think his face run so far has been pretty lackluster. Um, I think he'd have some great opponents to work with on Raw. I mean, I would love to see him, him versus Ricochet eventually. I mean, who else do they got on? Mostly Ricochet. I think that'd be a great. <laughs> yeah, just mostly Ricochet. I, I just I don't remember who's on what roster. I don't have it in front of me. I'm just trying to think. It's Ricochet's all right. It's, it's legitimately the same guy <laughs> facing you, you know. It's gonna be Rollins versus him. I don't know if Cedric Alexander will get a turn. I don't know if Alistair yeah, Black will get some fun or anything like that. But there, it's a younger, less, um, I guess, less, uh, less bouldering roster on Monday Night Raw. Uh, uh, let us see. Do you want to? Are you ready for the final hot take? Yes. This is the final one. I'm interested in what you guys think about it because it's kind of one that like it's like it may affect someone on a different level who not who you know depend who you are but this one is from Ebenezer it says certain fans have lost interest completely in wrestling and don't realize it which is why they find WWE so bad a take Fans have lost interest in wrestling completely and don't realize it, which is why they find WWE so bad. Do you feel like 
the WWE hate is warranted? And do you feel like there's any truth to this statement? I, th- I think that, you know, no- nothing is obviously perfect and everything. There's room for critiques and whatnot. It's when people, like, when people are so hyper-reactive to literally every little thing that happens every single week and make sweeping statements about everything every single week without wanting to, you, you know, just sit back and just let things play out, even if they end up playing out poorly or what have you, that's when I think that people just go way too overboard with it. And I think that, you know, maybe they maybe they do that because they don't have any interest and don't realize it. Maybe they do that because they see how engagement gets them, you know, you know, and how negative engagement, you know, works on Twitter and whatnot. You know, you, you get clouded and whatnot for, for doing all that stuff. But I don't I don't know what it is, but I mean there there might be some truth in that. Like maybe they just shouldn't be, you know, so focused in something that they apparently hate so much. Like if you don't want to watch, no one's forcing you to, and you can just bow out anytime that you want. It doesn't matter. Right. Uh, Quan, what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does. I mean, it bothers me a little bit. I understand. Yeah, of course, WWE is not perfect. There's stuff I see on there I think is bullshit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just wrestling. And the best thing, I mean, uh, I don't think people are realizing there's so many options now. If you don't like WWE, there's like 30 different shows you can watch now. MLW has a show. Ring of Honor has a show. New Japan, a- uh, AEW has a show, AEW Dark, no, whatever, YouTube. Um, NWA has a great show. I watched the first episode last week. Wonderful. You like the old school style? There's so many options. You don't have to hate watch WWE. You really don't. It is, <laughs> I just don't understand. I get it. If you want the internet clout, like Chris said, you know, you want to say negative things. You want to be like a homeboy. I forgot his name. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, all, for, all, all multiple of them. Yes, we know all multiple of them. Yeah, you know that's 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 their brand. Even uh, Meltzer, that's his brand. To be real, or Alvarez, be real critical. But you know, at the end of the day, like there's so many options. You don't. Uh, I can, like wrestling that probably at its peak. This is the biggest wrestling been since what late nineties, probably ninety nine, ninety eight. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Those like. To me, have fun. Yeah, fun. Yeah, to me, I mean, I honestly, I looked at that take and I was like, whoa, that's like a different take because I, I, I feel like it'll make people actually take a look at themselves and kind of wonder if you actually, are you into the product or are you into just like commenting on how bad it is? Or are you into that like that? Because I remember, I, I just remember um, it was post-Attitude Era. It was during like maybe one of Triple H's many title reigns. Um and I just remember tuning into ROH and I'd be like, oh, this ROH stuff is some of the best stuff. Like, I I used to be that guy. Like, I remember it. I was just like, oh, you know, Paul London. You you don't know Paul London and AJ Styles? Like, yeah, you got to watch that match and et cetera, et cetera. And I remember being that guy. And I just remember, and it was probably because I didn't like anything that was going on. I mean, you had, you know, what did you have? Like, Shawn Michaels versus Shawn Michaels and God versus Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon. It was like, what are we really doing at this point? Um so there was their alternative, and I just remember just being like, maybe I don't like this as much as I did before. And there's some periods, times, like there's some periods now where I'm just like, I'm watching the show, and I'm like, 
I don't really like what's going on, to be honest with you. Like, I'm just like, I'm not enamored with it. I feel like I'm just watching it for no reason. And to be honest with you, sometimes I turn it off or put it on mute and do something else. I think that's really kind of the the route that people really need to take. I really don't. My philosophy is I don't really do things I don't like or watch anything I hate. I don't hate WWE. At some point, some things aren't interesting, so I just choose not to pay attention to it. Um but I'll never watch something I hate and I'll never, I'll never try to really spend all of my time just shitting on a product. I try to find the funniest things that out of WWE that I can. I really just tweet like stupid shit because I'm just like, we got to make this entertaining somehow. Like there's more than one way to get engagement and it's not always just pooping on the WWE to be honest with you. Like there's more than one way to do all these other things and, it, 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 you don't have to do all of that. You can legitimately find the funny in it. You can legitimately like watch something else. You can do anything. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a that's a take that made me actually take a look and like, huh? Do, I, do people hate wrestling? Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> but with that said, I want to thank you guys, Chris Novak. I want Quan for thank you for coming on the show and co-hosting with me as we have Justin off on international duties. He's out here talking to Austrians and, and Germans and all type of people that, you know, secretly provide your favorite energy beverages and all this of the sort. Um, thank you guys. No problem. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Novak, Chris, where can they follow you? You can follow me at Chris M. Novak, M as in uh, The Miz. Uh, and I will be typically posting about wrestling, typically posting about baseball or my or any sports bets that I have going on lately. Um, also, you know, you can follow any of my work with uh, the Barbershare at BarbershareNet. Uh, I'm part of the Ruthless Aggression podcast with my roommate Rob and, my, and our friend Pierce. Uh, we're actually recording later tonight, so that episode will probably be up on Wednesday along with this episode of the A-Show. So um, it should be twice in one day if you're interested. Uh, the, the WWE Top 25 will be posted by the end of the month. Uh, we're Towards the end of this whole thing, we're going to hit 1,000 matches on Wednesday on whatever the third match on NXT is. Uh, that will be the 1,000th match that I've tracked, so... Looking forward to seeing what that is. Looking forward to seeing how things shake out there. But yeah, you can follow me at Chris M, as in the Miz, Novak, N O V A K. Quan, where can they follow you and see all your thoughts and shit like that? You can follow me on Twitter. It's Quan from CT. So, you know, I mean, if you want to hear dumb stories about my life and, you know, <laughs> leave, leave, leaving my car running or whatever, you want to laugh at my life. You at my know, face. I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> I didn't want to bring it I up. You would. No, I didn't want to because I felt like we bring it up quite, con- you know, <laughs> quite frequently enough because it's one of the greatest stories of all time uh, <laughs> to leave your your car running an entire shift. <laughs> another, another another time I'll tell the full story. Uh, yeah, please, please do. Um, we got so many stories to tell. You'll definitely be back on the show. Chris, we will definitely be back on the show. Um, and we hope you guys are back to listen. And next week will actually be the two-year anniversary of the A-Show. It'll be two years since we were under siege. Um, that Raw was under siege from SmackDown, and they did all that stupid shit with uh, Shane McMahon dying and people jumping off of stuff and all this other stuff. So I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll take a look back at that show if the show kind of sucks this week. Um, 
but it'll be interesting. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been episode 104 of the A Show. We will see you guys next time. Peace.